So I want to talk to y'all today about the way, the truth, and the life, um, and that being a way that Jesus reveals himself. Let's see if this guy is working. So I want to just read to y'all from John 14, and these are kind of the verses that we're going to be focusing on, 6 through 7, um, but I just want to read 1 through 14 to us so that we have a little bit of context for what's going on. Um, so it's around Passover time, and if I'm thinking correctly, I think Passover began last night, is that correct? So kind of in the same timeline, um, and the disciples are in the upper room with Jesus. And it starts out by saying, Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. So it's obvious there that the disciples are troubled in some way. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. Some translations say apartments, mansions, dwelling places. I personally like mansions. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. My favorite part about this, this next little portion is that Thomas is so genuine. He asks the questions that nobody else wants to ask, but probably everyone is thinking. So I remember when I was in school, and the teacher would explain something like really hard, and then they would be like, do you get that? You understand that? And I'd always be that kid, even if I didn't get it, I'd be like, mm-hmm, yeah. But Thomas is not that kid. Thomas is gonna ask the questions. So Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And Jesus goes on to give us the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is really awesome. And I encourage you to keep reading if you haven't read that. But what do I love about this passage? I love that Jesus is so infatuated with the Father. He's so obsessed with showing people who the Father is. And the Trinity works together in this beautiful way, like, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, but they always glorify and they always point to one another. 
And I think that that's just something that when we see that in fullness and when we're able to commune with each member of the Godhead as one, that's a really special place that we can step into. So Jesus says some words um, in verses 6 and 7. He says, I am. And when I was reading that, I did a little, a little word study and got a little off track. But when I was reading that, I thought about Moses and how when Moses uh, was asked to introduce who the Lord is, he was to say, I am. Tell them I am sent you. And that was the first time as I was reading this that I kind of thought like Jesus right here is expressing his divinity. Jesus is reminding us of his divinity. And so I just want us to take a second and remember the I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the book of John. There's a couple of them, and I just want to read them over us today as reminders of who Jesus is, the promises that Jesus has given to us. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. I am the vine. You are the branches. So these are just some really special reminders um, and promises that Jesus has given us. Um, and they, they each hold something really unique about aspects of who Jesus is. So I kind of look at these as an invitation um, to go deeper with Jesus of, say, you take, I am the vine, you are the branches. There's an invitation there to abide. And there's an invitation in each one of these, which we're not going to get into today, but just encourage you to take some time with the Lord. So I want to start by just talking about Jesus as the way. So Psalm 119, 105, it's probably a scripture that many of us have heard. Um, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I want to share a quick story with you guys. And I'm going to go back to the picture so that you have a photo for reference. So probably... I guess it's been about a month ago. I was going to look at Brittany and Greg for context for this, but um, I went caving with Brittany and Greg and my friend Taylor. The only cave that I've really been caving in before is like a super touristy cave where people come with their like nice camera gear. They've got everything marked out for you. You're very safe. This cave was not that kind of cave. This cave was you go in on your own sign a permit and bring your own stuff and you go for it. We happened to meet up with a group of people who kind of knew what they were doing about halfway through. So we were able to see a lot more than we thought we were. But there was one point where, well, there were several points, but this was one of them. We were crossing this giant boulder field. You have to remember inside a cave, it is very dark. Like I know at nighttime, we get that it's dark. This is a different kind of dark. 
Like, there is no light whatsoever. And so we were at this boulder field, and I remember looking down on one side, there's a crevasse that goes down, I don't know, maybe 20 feet. Looking down on the other side, there's another one I don't see the bottom of. It's just dark. <laughs> and I, I remember just thinking at that moment, I wish I had a light on my feet and another one that's going straight ahead. I wasn't being like spiritual at this point. I was just being practical. Like, I wish I could see where I'm trying to go because it's probably like 100 meters away. And I wish I could see where I'm trying to step because I could literally break something if I fall off the side. And so we were kind of like hopping. There were points where I was on my hands and knees crawling because I was a little scared. But we made it across that boulder field, not just once, but four times. So <laughs> needless to say, this scripture has a little bit of a different meaning to me now when I think about that boulder field. And just the analogy in my brain is the boulder field of the world. There's a very small pathway for us to stay on. And we need a light on our feet and we need a light where we're going. Because the danger is if we spend too much time looking at our feet, what might happen? We might start going this way, we might start going that way, and we lose sight of where we're heading. We might lose sight of Jesus. We might lose sight of the way that he's pointing us. What might happen if we are staring too much ahead and not looking at our feet? I experience this a lot when night hiking on gravel terrain or rooty terrain. If I'm staring too long on the trail ahead of me, what do I do? I trip over a route. So we've got to have balance in both areas, the lamp on our feet and the light on our path. And the word is both of these things. So my question for you guys is, where is your focus? Is it on your feet? Is it on your path? Or is it on both? And so the word of God illuminates stumbling blocks and hindrances in front of us, as well as illuminates our destiny and where we're heading in the Lord. The next scripture I want to read for you guys is Matthew 7, 13 through 14. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Well, if you remember earlier, uh, when we were reading through those I am statements, Jesus says, I am the gate. So the question of who is the gate, the answer is Jesus. He is the gate. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so this scripture in Matthew tells us that the way is small. You know, kind of like I was saying earlier, there was another moment in the cave where we had to squeeze through this little passageway. It's probably about this big. It was not big at all, but we had to squeeze through it. It was very compressed. So the, another translation for small and narrow is compressed. And so I just think about when we read this, that we can look at ways that look easy. And they're the wide, broad ways. And then we look at ways that are compressed, and that is Jesus. And just to be honest, we don't like talking about this sometimes because our flesh does not love the compressed way. 
Our flesh loves the wide and easy way that might look appealing, but has those places where we fall off and do not lead to eternity. And I, I just, the highlight of this verse to me is only if you find it. To me, when somebody says, find it, it means you have to be intentionally looking for it. And so Jesus, we have to be intentionally looking for him. So I'm going to hop over now to talk about the truth a little bit. And the truth is the Word of God. So I want to read just the beginning of John 1 to you guys. Uh, It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things are made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the Word of the Father in action. And as I said before, we need fullness of relationship with the Father, with Jesus, and with Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy, there's a passage that talks about the Word of God, um, saying that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we know that the Word of God equips us. We know that it's truth. Um, I'm in a school right now that Tommy and Laura are also in, and um, the guy who's leading it said something, it was either this past week or two weeks ago, that really kind of gut-punched me a little bit. He said, we have no right to complain about not hearing the Lord's voice or knowing where we are going if we are not in the Word. And I think, I think that stuck out so much to me because there are so many times when I have heard people use the excuse, and I've even personally used it, of, well, I'm just not hearing from the Lord right now. He hasn't shown me any images. He hasn't shown me any pictures. He hasn't loudly boomed from the sky lately. I'm just, he's not speaking. And so quickly, leaders in my life have been quick for me to correct me and say, are you in the word? Are you reading scripture? And usually my response, if I'm feeling that way is no, not really. So I want to encourage you, if you're in a season right now where you're having a hard time hearing from the Lord, to get in the Word. Like the Word is from the Lord. It is the absolute truth. And Scripture is God-breathed, so you will find life in the Word as you're reading it. And we don't, we don't do that to be religious. We don't read the Word to be religious. We read it in relationship with the one who wrote it. And so sometimes that might look like creating a schedule and a set time to read it because we want to be in relationship. And something that I really think that the Lord wants to restore in his bride is just the infinite emphasis on the holiness of the word. Um, so to be holy means to be set apart, to be sacred, 
And the Holy Spirit loves to reside on that which he is. And so as we read the word, the Holy Bible, we have encounters with the one who is holy. Um, The word of God is set apart and Holy Spirit is holy. And the word of God cleanses us and washes us as we read it. Um, And so as we do that, the Holy Spirit has given us the promise that he will come and be part of that. So the next scripture I want to read is Hebrews 4, 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the word here is living and active. It sanctifies us. It's an active, ongoing process of sanctification. And we see here that the word of God is sharp. It's meant to cut to the very deepest places of our soul where only God can heal. And we have to let the word of God renew our minds and not our minds try to renew the word of God. So I know there's, there's been times in my past when I've read the word and I've said, well, does it really say that? Like, can I just move that line a little bit? But if we start moving any boundary line whatsoever that's in the word, where does it stop? So we don't have the authority to dictate or change anything that's in this book. <laughs> um, so th- this leads ultimately to freedom. And we are to let the word of God dwell in us richly. So the next thing we're going to look at is Jesus as the life. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Man, us alone, we are dead in sin without God. And Jesus says um, in John eleven, twenty-five through 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? We read this in the I am statements earlier. Again, that was John eleven twenty five 25 through 26. This is when Jesus was outside of Lazarus' tomb talking to Martha, trying to comfort Martha. And he was reminding her of the resurrection power that is found only in him, that the Lord is victory. He himself is victory and freedom and that there is victory in him, that we are overcomers. I want to share um, just an encounter that I had with Jesus uh, a couple of months back. I've shared it with maybe one or two of you here, um, but it was an encounter I had with him just as the living water. And I want to share this just because I want to stir up hunger in us um, to encounter the Lord in this way or in new ways if you haven't encountered him in this way. So... I was um, just sitting in my room worshiping, and I slipped into a vision of, um, 
I, there's a place where when I have like encounters with Jesus, which don't happen super often, but there's always this one place that I see kind of in my mind's eye. And I'm not going into detail because that's, it feels like a very personal and private space. Um, so I was there kind of standing by myself and I heard um, horse hooves coming from like my back left side. And I knew that it was Jesus riding in on a horse and I felt someone come behind me and like scoop me up and put me on the horse. And so I was on this horse with Jesus and he asked me a question. He said, do you want to see something new? And I said, yes. <laughs> like when Jesus asks you that question, obviously the answer is going to be yes. And so we were riding for a really long time and we got to this really big grassy area by a lake and there was this hole in the ground that was kind of covered in this weird like glassy kind of stuff. Um, it's like a glassy mesh and we got off the horse and Jesus was like, to go to the next place we have to go through this, think like Alice in Wonderland-esque, but not really. And I was like, okay, cool. So I like tried to jump in this hole and nothing, nothing happens. And he's just kind of staring at me. He was like, no, to go to this place, like you have to get into me and then we'll go. And so I stepped into him and then we went through this hole and we were at this place where I will try to describe to you what it looked like, but I can't. Um, there was like a, a body of water, kind of like a river, but it was like every single body of water all in one body of water. But it also was like the prettiest blue that I have ever seen, like no blue here on earth. And it looked, it was moving, but it looked kind of still and like glass-like. And Jesus looked at me and said, do you want to cross it? And I said, I don't think we can. <laughs> because it was very deep. Like you could not see the bottom and you could not see the other side. And he, was, he asked me, do you trust me? I said, yes. And so then we, we started walking across it. And we got to the other side. And I'm leaving out some of the details. But um, we got to the other side and sat down on a log. And we were just sitting there, not saying anything. I was just looking at this water because I'd never seen anything like it before. I mean, there were like parts of it that looked like an ocean wave, but it was still. It was very strange. Um, but we were sitting on this log, and I remember thinking in my mind, I'm like, this feels and sounds so familiar. And I didn't say anything out loud. And Jesus, like, kind of nudges me on the shoulder and was like, do you want to know why this feels and sounds so familiar? And I was like, I forgot you could read my thoughts. But yes. And he goes, it's because my voice is like that of many waters. And I just, and I immediately after he said that, I came out of it. And I was like on the floor weeping. But that to me is the ultimate example of who Jesus is as the life. So now whenever I see or hear a body of water, I can't help but think about that encounter that I had because if I could describe to you what the atmosphere felt like around that river water thing, it was life. Like the atmosphere felt like life and I have no other way 
to describe that. It was charged with life. So Jesus is the living water. He tells the Samaritan woman that he is the living water. So I just, I want to encourage us all to just ask Jesus for encounters with him as the living water, as life, as truth, as the way. Um, He is the light of life. And so what I kind of want to just leave us with today is this question. It's the same question that Jesus asked Peter, and it's the most important question that we can ever answer in our lives. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Is he the way? Is he the truth? Is he the life? Is, is there any one of those areas that you personally have a hard time believing? If I say he is the way, do you say, well, yes, but, because anywhere there's a but, I believe that the Lord wants to sanctify and bring just new life into that place because he doesn't want us to look at him and say, well, I believe this, but he wants us to look at him and say, no, I believe. And the fun thing about that is we get to ask him to help with our unbelief, right? So if we have an area where we have a but, an area where we have a, I just don't know about this, we get to ask the Lord to come and to help sanctify our minds and sanctify our way of thinking in that so that we can say, no, I believe. And then there's a period after that. There's no comma that continues that statement. So I want to kind of just give us a little bit of time. If the band wants to come back up and just play, not necessarily a song, but just play for a little bit, um, I'm going to ask Laura to come up here real quick. Um, So there's two things that uh, I believe that the Lord wants to do this morning. One is I think he wants to renew um, just a hunger for his word and a delight in his word. And two, um, I know Travis has talked about this a lot, but I think the Lord wants to give us more just encounters with him, with his person. Um, And I believe that Jesus wants to lead us into encounters with the Father and that Holy Spirit wants to encounter us and glorify Jesus. Um, And so I just want to pray if that's something that you desire and hunger for, either one of those two things. Um, I'm going to pray for encounters, and then Laura is going to pray for hunger for the word. Not in that order. (laughs) Laura's going to pray for hunger for the word first. So I just want to invite you, if either of those two things kind of stand out to you, just to stand up and receive from the Lord during this time. And then we're going to have ministry time after this. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Jesus, into the room. We just ask you to reveal yourself as a word to us, to make us so hungry because we want to be in relationship with you. 
to take the lens off our eyes that makes us not understand what being in a relationship looks like. Any lens there that keeps us from understanding who you are and why you want to be in relationship with us. That you're not after soldiers, but you're after sons and daughters. I just ask right now that you touch us. You pour out your hunger. That you just touch our hearts and show us how jealous you are for your people, for your church, for your bride. And that your pursuit allows us to enter into pursuit of you. as the word as active and living as in every moment at our feet and into the future into our vision of our lives just give us words to look out for I'm reminded of a tree that my mother-in-law has in her yard. It's a tulip tree. And I literally didn't ever hear of one, never thought I'd never seen one, and she showed it to me. And now I see them literally everywhere. It's, it's not that we don't, it's not that you're not everywhere, it's that we don't know what we're looking for. So God, give us an image of who you are something that we can hold on to, a word, a picture, an image, and that we can just continue. I know that when we get that, we'll see it everywhere. Your love, the fruit, the goodness, your joy, your compassion, your heart, God. I just ask that you give each one of us a specific thing that we can hold on to, that we can look for. Some people, it's going to be light. For some people, it's going to be brokenness. But he's calling you to compassion. For some people, it's going to be intercession this morning. Give us, give us words. Give us Bible verses, Lord. desire to have specific encounters with Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, if you just want to come down to the front, um, I feel like I'm supposed to lay hands on people, if that's okay. Um, so if you just want to come down to the front. So I just want to pray for us corporately, and then 
I'll go around. Um, if you just want to hold your hands out in front of you, Jesus, I release encounters with you. Um, God, I thank you that you touch those who are hungry, those who are thirsty. And Lord, I just pray that you would encounter your bride. Jesus, that we would have just encounters with you, God, specific um, dreams and visions. Lord, I pray um, that you would come in the day, that you would come in the night. God, that you would come when we least expect it, Lord. So just release a, a fresh touch of heaven, God, on each one of these people. God, I thank you that you see the hunger in your bride, that you're quick to fill. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would rest upon your church um, just in a new way. Lord, I pray for um, visions. God, I pray for open heaven. God, I ask that you would open our eyes to see the things that we don't yet see. God, that you would open our minds to believe the way that you ask us to believe. God, I pray that you would increase our faith. God, that you would increase um, our desire to commune with you. God, that we would see you rightly. Lord, I pray for encounters as people read your word. God, that as they read your word, that it would come alive, that the pages would just pop up. God, that it would be like a motion picture book almost, God, that you would lead us into these encounters, God, that your word would be just a doorway to encounters with you. Father, I pray for a new hunger just for the secret place. God, that people would desire, that we would desire to walk away and to spend time with you. God, that when we come together corporately, that it would be just this new fire that comes from each of us being alone with you in our rooms. God, that we would find that the best times that we have with you is when we lock the door and get away with you. God, I pray that you would raise up this body to teach our kids how to do that. That the kids here at The Awakening would be kids who love to lock away and get away with you. God, would you use us as fire starters in Athens? Would you use us as people who release encounters for other people in this city, God? Lord, I thank you that you are quick to fulfill your word. God, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So I thank you that you honor the hunger that is shown today, God. And I just pray that you would continue to fill, that we would continue to learn what it looks like to walk with you. Amen. Feel free to stay where you are if you want. The band is going to play.
a song or two, and Laura and I will be over there if you need prayer for anything specific.